you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We'll open the phone lines and get your take on our conversation today. Mm-hmm. So make sure you keep listening for that. We'll give the phone number out in the last segment, maybe going into the last segment of the show, so we can get some of your calls queued up. But today, um, our conversation is going to revolve around an email that we got that we thought, you know, this is a this is a great conversation to have publicly because so often what we're talking about is really filtering the way we live through a, a biblical lens. Like yes. how how do we live as the Bible prescribes? And and our challenge as Christians is in whatever culture we're in, whatever time we live in, um, whatever our borders are, um, the challenge is always to live for the glory of God, right? That we would Amen. live the example um, that that we are saying Christ has redeemed us. He has set us free. We will live with him eternally. But in the meantime, he's also set us free from the law of sin. Mm. So we are able to to walk in that freedom. Yes. And then the question becomes, what does that look like? You know, how, how do we actively live that out? Here's what the problem is. The problem is that in and especially in American culture, because, guys, here's what we're dealing with. Our culture has largely um, been pretty good. And now, listen, <laughs> when I use the word good, clarify. <clears throat> Let me let me define it just a little bit here. All right. So what I'm talking about is the way we have defined good, mm-hmm. meaning um, be a good boy. Don't be a bad boy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Not in its purest form where Jesus would say no only one. God is good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> None <laughs> right? that's good. Yeah. None that's good. Right. OK. So so just come with me. And I think most people understand that definition. Right. But so here's what we've dealt with. So we've lived in a nation where largely speaking, maybe I should say it this way. We've largely experienced a moral people. Right. A people where the knowledge of God mm-hmm. has been retained, where even if, you know, People were not um, the most faithful. Yeah. They believed that God is real. They believe that he judge, judges sin. And, and there, there was moral conviction. And so that, that can be very catching in any culture where it sort of um, colors the culture. That this, we, just, we just don't do things like that. Right, we're good over here. We're good over here, right? <laughs> so the problem, the problem is because we have largely enjoyed um, an overwhelmingly moral country, um, for for a long time, a sustained time, we've had we've had a difficult time um, making the shift toward the great lurching toward you know <laughs> reprobate, <laughs> right? Like we 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 it's hard for us to conceptualize that because we're like, oh my goodness, how have we how have we gotten here? Along the way of dealing with all of those things in the church, we have, and and this will explain why I'm starting up or starting out by setting up. Um, a moral country, a moral people, right? We we have kind of been comforted by the thoughts that we live 
amidst a moral people. So what we've been very comfortable doing, and when I say we, guys, we've done a whole show where we define the we and the our and the us, like who who's our people, right? We're talking about the body of Christ, okay? Those for whom Christ died, they have believed, they have received, and they are now in the family of God. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of them. That's that's the we and the us that I'm talking about. All right. So what we have done, we have grabbed things from the culture without holding those things up against scripture because we have unfortunately believed that the culture continues on sort of like morally good, like that we're still, we're still a good people. We're still doing good things. So when there are things that become um, popular in the culture, Mm -hmm. we tend to adopt those things without examining them deeply Mm. and seeing if they actually are biblically based or if they just are, you know, from the minds of men and they just start using those things and saying Mm. those things. And and Mm -hmm. so, so what we always want to do and hopefully what people hear us doing on this program every single time that we're behind these microphones, hopefully what you hear us doing is examining what's happening in the culture against the Bible, like holding up the word of God and saying, okay, is this biblical? Or how do we respond biblically to this particular situation? How do we process what's going on based on the word of God? Right. And so we want to do that today. We got an email from a sister who listens to the show who drew something to our attention that we've heard these things, but I have to tell you, so let me just say, There are a lot of things that, well, maybe not a lot of things, but there are things that we hear um, being kind of batted about in culture Mm -hmm. that we just reject them. Like we don't, we, we don't think of, um, okay, let's, let's openly talk about why we reject them. We just live a life of rejecting those things because we've found no home for them in scripture. So we just don't use them. We don't say them. We don't adopt them. Right. So this sister wrote into us, um, Uh, pretty recently here. And this was her question. So I'm just going to jump right into her email and then we're going to talk about it. She says, um, she says, question, there is a teaching that has been made popular lately in the church. And that is quote, you need to forgive yourself in quote. Hmm. And she says, which by the way, I love it. Some, some, I love our brothers and sisters, right? Because sometimes you guys will write in and ask us questions like you're like hey am i just off on this and then you kind of go into your reason for for asking the question <laughs> yeah. and i'm like you're spot on you didn't you, what do you need us for like you're exactly right and she kind of does this in the email she just i mean so but we're going to unpack it a little bit um for the sake of a public conversation because i think it's worth having she says what happened to walking in god's forgiveness two question marks do you agree with the quote forgive yourself in quote teaching Doesn't that make your forgiveness higher than the precious blood of Christ who can cleanse us of our sins? Literally, she says, literally, I heard it taught in a class at our church that, yes, Jesus forgives you, but you need to forgive yourself. She continues, I'm scratching my head on this because when the son sets you free, you are free indeed, right? Then she writes, The teaching went even further and said, you may need to forgive God. And I should have counted them. She put like one, two, three, four. (laughs) It looks like six exclamation points after that. (laughs) I just want you to feel this sister's outrage, right? And it's a right outrage, by the way. Like it, 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 it strike strikes exactly the right tone, exactly the right tone. She says, whoa, hold on. 
forgive the Holy One who created all things that is perfect and sinless. Forgive God. And she says, for what? And then she concludes her email saying, anyways, I just want your thoughts on this. (laughs) I'm like, sister, I want your thoughts on this. Um, She says, I love my church and I've brought light to this teaching, um, but I think the class is still going on. Which, by the way, and that is totally commendable that Mm -hmm. when you hear something that you're like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. there's a problem there that you don't just like talk about it that you actually address the issue. So this would be um, in love going to the teacher who's facilitating that class and saying, Hey, I have a question about this. Um, Can you show me biblically where the Christian is ever called to forgive God? And I'm, I'm not attempting to be combative here, but just, you know, just out of a love for the word of God and, you know, what we hold to be true. Mm. Can you show me a biblical support for that? If we did more of that, right. We might have more of those little, what you could describe them as pockets of church discipline. You Mm. might not get to those big ones where it's like, gather everybody together. We're going to bring this person up. You might just have those moments where the person is then able to say, hey, you know what? Um, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Let me let me go back and address that in the class um, the next time we get together, because I just got going. That's uh, yeah, of course not. You don't need to forgive God like that was ridiculous. I'm sorry. I got caught up in Mm -hmm. if if in fact, that's the that's the case. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, that's when it that's when it turns out really well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If that's the case. But if, that, if that's, if that's what was meant, you know, Ugh. then it's like, no, I meant what I said. Ooh, okay, we have another problem here. Then you have to say, <laughs> okay, so since we're talking about it, then you have to say, okay, well, come on, dear sister, let us reason together. Mm. Let us sit down and talk about this. Let us look in the scriptures and see if we should be saying those things. Right. Okay. Then if the person um, is not able to be won over by the scriptures and the application of the word of God, then I think you need to bring in some reinforcement. You need to bring in some backup mm-hmm. and to say, okay, this is a false teaching that is happening in our church. And so this is going to be like a pastor or an elder who can come in with the authority to say, cease and desist. And this is love for the, yeah. <laughs> this is love for the body of Christ that you and, would have and, an elder. And even right? hopefully when it gets, get to that point, because it is a class within the church. Yeah. Hopefully it wasn't like known by, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it could be something where, no, we endorse this. Yeah. Then you Man, have. Okay. You know. So I want to say, I want to say based on, <laughs> let me say, let me say this. Cause I, I, okay. Hopefully that would not be the case. Hopefully that would not be the case. I would say in a situation like this, simply based on this sister's tone mm-hmm. in her email, I would say that this is probably not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Because she doesn't strike me just going off the email here. She doesn't strike me as one who would sit and allow um, for a consistent diet of cotton candy every weekend. (laughs) You know what I mean? She doesn't strike. So I'm going to say that this is probably isolated to this class. Yeah. And and man, these things happen where you have Mm -hmm. classes within solid churches that kind of spring up and it's kind of like maybe it it shouldn't be that way because I think that the leadership should um, have more knowledge about what's going on. You know, but... These things happen all the time. They do. All the time. They do. And the problem, the problem with that is that from these little classes spread all of this incorrect teaching, right? right. That then kind of um, colors, if you will, or sets the tone for the church. Like, so the believers start to believe these things. And if these things go unchecked, then yeah. you have people who are just really, truly led astray. And so that's a problem. Yeah. So the question today or the topic for our, of our conversation today is uh, forgive yourself. Just asking the question, forgive yourself with a question mark. Is mm-hmm. that something that is biblical? Is that something that we should adopt? It's very popular. You hear people talking about this all the time. But does the Bible lay out 
um, sort of a map of forgiving oneself. What is what is it that we actually mean when we're talking about forgiving ourselves? And so this we want to kind of just jump into it and answer the question. We want to look at scripture, um, the the Bible. I will just say this because there are so many people who have a liberal interpretation of scripture and they have a very loose um, understanding of the Bible. And I, I have heard people say, um, just for example, now this is not the same thing as a forgiving yourself, but let me just use it as an example to make my case here. So I have heard people say, or I've read that people say um, that Jesus or the Bible doesn't specifically, this is not true, uh, condemn homosexuality. Jesus doesn't speak out specifically against homosexuality, not in the sense that we understand it today, because Jesus could not have possibly have known, could could not possibly have known that there would be legally recognized marriage and that it would exist in a <laughs> really like <laughs> so there's so much wrong with that right because what what you have done now even in like kind of entering into a conversation like this is you've stripped jesus of his deity exactly. right you've said that jesus is not god That's stuff that he can't right? know hmm. so so <laughs> so this becomes a problem but then also you ignore the fact that jesus dealt with all sin that yeah. deviates sexual sin that deviates that's away right. from god's model of one man one woman married that's 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 the marital relationship that's the relationship of of uh intimacy that the lord blesses right that there is marital commitment um, anything outside of that, including fornication, adultery, homosexuality, all, all of these things, the mm -hmm. Lord condemned. And so so that that falls flat. But why do I bring that up? Because it would be people who would say, well, you know, just with the state of people's um, mental, uh, the people's mental states today, there's no way that the scriptures. Now, listen, guys, we we can cover a lot of ground in scripture like you can you can literally read through. Watch this, Kid Ham. Thousands of years of history in the scripture, right? Like in the presentation of man and man's state and how man has rebelled against God and, and God's forbearance with man and God's plan to redeem man. And yet you would still have people who would say, well, you know, there's no way that God could have anticipated the amount of guilt and self-condemnation that man would have carried, that man would, you know, in 21st century America need to learn to forgive himself. So the reason the Bible doesn't expressly say that is because God didn't anticipate man yeah. needing to forgive himself. Mm. All right. Um, yeah, <laughs> no. Okay. The Bible, as you will see, as you probably have already seen repeatedly anticipates our condition communicates that condition to us accurately yeah. and gives us the only solution for that condition. Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. We'll grab the break and then we'll dive right into the scripture asking the question, forgive yourself. Stay right there. Amen. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We do appreciate you spending this time with us as we take a look at what is going on in the culture and filtering that through a biblical lens. We are aim and we we are sort of on the hunt to 
um, I guess, return to a dependence on the word of God for all of our engagement. And we're encouraging you to do that. This is what we do with our children as we culture proof them, as we indeed culture proof ourselves, <laughs> making yeah. ourselves impervious to this culture. We yeah. are using the word of God. And um, and we want to encourage you to do that because there are so many conversations that pop up that we just start talking about those conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, we just or we just start having those conversations or joining in, I should say, joining in on those conversations. Yeah. And, and rarely do we pause and say, wait. Right. You know, am I using the Bible as as my authority? Am I using the Bible, the word of God as my straight edge? And we need to do that. And we have to because some of these conversations can seem at the surface to be like, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you yes. when you dig down deeper and you're like and you apply the straight edge of scripture, you're like, wait, hold on. That's, that's yeah. out of order. That's, and it is actually it, it can be pretty, pretty dangerous. There was mm-hmm. someone in the, in the chat that said something I thought was very insightful. It said because of this teaching. Uh, we need to learn to forgive ourselves. We have gotten to a point where we don't even feel shame for our sin. Mm. So Jesus' Jesus's debt is no longer uh, as powerful, you know. And, man, it's, it's something. It's a great point. Yeah, it's a great point. Like when You know, when you take on these things mm-hmm. and don't question and be like, hey, it sounds good. It sounds, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to forgive, mm-hmm. you know. And take you, you're really um, taking in some things that can be very, very destructive, you know, uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and not even realizing it, you know, there's another there's another um, subtle problem in this. We'll get we'll we'll dig down and, and go to the word, too. I think it's so important to do that. Yes. Um, but there's a there's another subtle problem in this. And it's, it's one of the problems that I have with some of the um, some of the pop cultural <laughs> doctrine that you will hear taught. It's the exaltation of man above God. Mm. So in other words, what you're what you're saying, not directly, but what you're indirectly saying is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. So you've actually made yourself more important and more valuable than God. So you you actually are trampling the grace of God. Wow. Oh, forgive us, Lord. Wow. You're you're actually trampling the grace of God, and you're kind of mm. centering yourself and making yourself sort of like All you powerful, know, really more powerful. Yeah. Like if I can forgive me, then I will be forgiven. Right. There is no wow. place that you will see this in Scripture, guys. And and I don't I. And I say, I don't care. That's I don't mean it that way. I do care. Else we wouldn't be doing this program. Let me just say, it doesn't matter what people will sort of like paste onto the scripture to make you feel good about the fact that you need to forgive yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, okay. The point is if you are saying I've done something that's really horrible, Mm -hmm. I did something that's really bad. And then you confess that to the Lord Mm -hmm. and you confess it to the person against whom you sin. This is also important. Right. Mm -hmm. And you understand biblically God's forgiveness, right? First uh, John one nine. I, rem- I remember learning this and, and turning around. It's like sort of like the Bible's nine one one, right? First John one nine. That if we confess our sins to the Lord, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So if you understand that, right? Which is think about how we understand the gospel, how we know what it takes for us to even come to Christ. Right. So we put our full weight down on the scriptures for that. But then we're also told that we can come to the Lord God and receive forgiveness. But you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that forgiveness. But it's just it's it's me. I can't forgive me. What you are doing is devaluing. Mm. It seems like there should be a stronger word here, but you're devaluing the weight of the scriptures. You're devaluing the weight of God's forgiveness. So you've got the holy and righteous God. Okay, the one true God who is morally perfect, perfectly just, mm-hmm. perfectly holy, like completely other, right? Saying, I forgive you. 
you don't deserve that forgiveness, but you would like diminish that or downplay that forgiveness because you're struggling with guilt. And that's really the, that's really the topic that we're talking about. It's the wrestling with guilt. And guys, I'm telling you, if you can always go back to a biblical conviction, not only in your own life, but in the life of your kids and your grandkids, you'll spare them from the deceit of this, of this world. So for example, I'll give you another example. And then we're going to look at first Timothy chapter one with our kids. Um, we did not let them um, say things like follow your heart. Mm-hmm. We didn't, I know people, you're extra. We didn't even let them wear t-shirts like that. Like if, you know, stuff like that, we, we always said, you know, is that, is that biblical? Is it, is it good? Is it right for us to follow our heart? What does the Bible teach us about the heart? If, if we don't reign in the heart, if we are not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, in fact, if we're not given a new heart, by the work of the Holy Spirit, then the heart will deceive us. Yeah. Who can know your heart? So why are you following it? Right? So, so let's look at, we're talking about, do you forgive yourself, by the way? Do you, can you, should you forgive yourself? Is this, is this a biblical conviction or is this something that's come from the world that we've just adopted and now we're using it along with all the other stuff that we rarely stop to examine the scriptures against it? Okay, so Here's the Apostle Paul. Can we let's lay some groundwork, Will the Great, and help me work through this. Mm-hmm. When you think of the Apostle Paul, like, and you think of who he was before he came to Christ, is it fair to say that there would have been some, some recall, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will, of the things that he did mm-hmm. before he met Jesus? Like, yeah, would there he, be some recall he, of that? Yes, he did that. Yes. And he expressed it in scripture. He expressed, like he, yeah, he, he, he ex- talked about the right. things that he did. He yes. talked about him doing he these recalled, things in ignorance. Yes. yes. Right. So it's fair for us to say that there could have been, there could have been um, the constant, um, I don't know if attempt is the right word, but that the apostle Paul would have had to have the victory over guilt. He, mm. he would have had to have the victory in Jesus Christ. He would have needed mm. to to have the victory over the guilt that he struggled with because of all the things that he did. And, and, like, and you even heard it in his speaking, you know, by the grace of God, I am. You yes. Know, who I am. Yes. Like he, he did recall, but he jumped right back into like, man, but this is God's purpose. Like Come, he okay. created me. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm running. Go on. I'm running. Keep going. Okay, no, go this ahead. is, this is perfect. <laughs> this is no, go ahead. This is exactly right. Because in fact, I think that's, I think That's the way the Bible Mm -hmm. is instructing us to calibrate, Mm -hmm. not according to our forgiving ourselves, but according to the fact, the fact that Christ has forgiven us. That's the highest thing. That's that's the highest acknowledgement. It's not that we can get over the guilt. Look, Mm. guys, we're bad people. Please understand this. We we are not basically good. And then there's just like every now and again a hiccup. No, we're (laughs) bad people. We are filled with all kinds of unrighteousness, guys. And, and, and unless we think that, oh, you know, I could have been a contender. No, you couldn't. Like you were dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And, and God made you alive in Christ. Mm. By his spirit, he drew you, right? So when we, when we don't acknowledge that, we can make ourselves think that there is a sort of a unique importance that we have. Well, like a, you, you have know. a higher estimation of yourself than you ought to. If That's you right. say that. True forgiveness is only going to come by means of me forgiving myself, mm. ultimately. Yeah, I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Well, we're placing ourselves in a, in a position higher than we ought to 
deplace ourselves. It's you know? dangerous. Yeah, it's very, very dangerous. dangerous. Very dangerous. So look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to Timothy. This is First uh, Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 12. And you, you can hear, you, you will know exactly why um, we're using this scripture to, to really say that it's not, it's not biblically sound to speak of forgiving oneself. It's just, it's just really not. And then, and then I'll make the case. I'll look at old Testament as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So first Timothy chapter one, verses 12 through 17, um, the apostle Paul writes, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, man, it's reality. He's, he's not trying he's to make it real. He's not <laughs> making himself look good at all because my he goodness, you know, and he says, yeah. he says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Mm. And then verse 15, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of mm. whom I am the foremost. Mm. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Mm. Then he breaks out into this. It's like a praise break. <laughs> Verse 17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm. So notice what Paul is recalling who he was and what he was before Christ. But he's saying he received mercy. Look, I did all of these things. I'm the chief of sinners. I received mercy. And why did I receive this mercy? God in his foreknowledge, right? Has set Paul up to receive this mercy that then becomes an example for us. Amen. Okay, wait. But the example is not that Paul has learned how to forgive himself. The example is that he has received the grace of, and the mercy yes. of the Lord Jesus Christ, despite the things that he did, the things that he did ignorantly, but he did those things. You have to remember, like, let's just, let's recall, because sometimes, you know, when we hear, when we hear, um, when we hear a description of Paul's life, you know, prior to Damascus, we tend to bristle because of his two thirds New Testament contributions. Right. So we're just like, nah, don't say that about Paul, though. You know, and it's like, wait, but but these these letters actually are weighted because you have acts where you understand what he was doing. He was on his way mm. to carry off men and women so that they could be killed mm -hmm. because they were followers of the way. Like this is, you know, and, so, and it, it, what is that? Is is that terrorism? Yes. I don't know. I'd be terrified. I'd say yes. I'd be cowering. Because look at Ananias's like response. Even when the <laughs> Lord said, "Go and pray for this guy," he was like, "Man, this is he can kill me." Like, yes, I would say there was terror there. Yes. Yeah. And so, what does God do? God saves Paul, and forgives Paul of those things that he had done. Now, repeatedly, man, there would if there would be. <laughs> using the word loosely here, there would be an opportunity for Paul to say, and I forgave myself or <laughs> I, I struggle with. No, but what does, what does Paul constantly fall on? He constantly falls on the forgiveness mm -hmm. that he's received Amen. in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is so important for us to recognize because what we're saying is that the ultimate is God's forgiveness. Now, how do we, how do we get rid of the guilt of what we've done? I think mm. that's the question, right? I think that's the thing that um, most of us, 
when we're talking about forgiving ourselves, yes. we're not we're not talking about getting an excuse or getting a pass for what we're what we've done. We're talking about the constant reminder. It's almost like the telltale heart. You know, it's a constant reminder that you sinned against God, that, that you you um, sinned against this person. And yes. those are the things that we wrestle with. And for that, I look at uh, I look at David. Yep. And I think about David. Right. Mm -hmm. Amen. And and this is, you know, guys, now let me just say, okay, we come up with um, soft ways to describe what the Bible lays out and just real rawness. Okay, so you've got David, who is a king who is at home when kings are supposed to be off at war and he sees this woman bathing on he's out on his roof and he Mm -hmm. sees this woman bathing and this woman is pretty good looking. And David sends to find out. Now, listen, I want you to follow follow the progression here. <laughs> David actually sends to find out who sh- who is that. Mm-hmm. It is returned to him, not only who her father is, but also who her husband is. So he knew. OK, yes. so there's no question here. Oh, yeah. Then the Bible records that David sent and took her. Yes. Not that not she that Bathsheba was like, oh, the king right. for me. OK, sure. Like, no, <laughs> right. no, he. He took this woman mm-hmm. and he raped her. Yep. Guys, I know, I know we, we like to, you know, we're like, you know, no, wait, but he, he laid with her and, you know, no, he raped her. She didn't have a he choice. used his position of authority right. to take advantage of her after he knew that she was married. And then what happened? He, this woman conceived, Bathsheba conceived. And so she sends word back that I'm, it was like Mari. Right. Mari <laughs> Povich, it, it, like you, you are the father. And and yeah. so so what does David do? So David sends word to get her husband back from war, like get her husband back out of the battle, because what we need to do is we need to do a old, oh, you know, switcheroo so that we don't have any questions <laughs> about paternity. We need to do a you, like because mm-hmm. we need we need Uriah to go and lay with his wife. And so then when she, you know, when, you know, when the baby is born, there won't be any questions and no one will ever have to know. But Uriah is so righteous. <laughs> he's like, no, he comes back and he's like, I'm not, I can't go sleep in my home like with my wife. And and you've got a battle going on. You've got the commander still out there. So he sleeps like at the door of the palace. Twice. <laughs> like, guys, the Bible, like it people are like, I don't know. I just can't twice. get into reading it. You need to read the word. Right. Second time he tried. To, he got him drunk. He was like, and he still did. <laughs> like, he no. collapsed outside. He didn't need. So, so what does David do, guys? And I'm, I'm building this up because you're talking about forgiving someone, mm. forgiving the guilt of what someone has done. Mm. David sends Uriah back to the battle with his own death sentence in hand. The Bible <sighs> says that David got up that morning and he wrote a note that Uriah was to take back to Joab, back to the commander. And in that note or in that letter, David says, hey, wherever the battle, when the battle gets fierce, put Uriah there and then y'all step back from him so that he dies. So what happens? So this this all occurs. The Bible says that um, Uriah died. And then, of course, word makes it back to the king. Bathsheba laments. So she grieves the loss of her husband. Guys, I don't want like I don't want us to minimize this because we're just reading words on the page. So she laments. She grieves the loss of her husband. And then the Bible says, and when she's done grieving for her husband, David sends for her and makes her his wife. (laughs) Man, this this is egregious to God. Like this is this is this is utterly egregious to God. And God sends Nathan the prophet to David. 
and, and many of us are familiar with that exchange. You're the man because David hears this illustration and David's like, the baby, you lamb. The rich man <laughs> took the little poor man. I can't believe this. He has to pay it back. And then Nathan's like, you, you're him. That's what you did. And then out of this, David writes this incredible psalm, and we're going to look at it when we get back. Aaron the Addisons, stay close. Hey, don't get distracted by this earth, this place that we live for a small amount of time. These things we think we can take with us when we die, they don't last. Keep your eyes on the prize, man. We looking around, but we got to stay focused. This life about a moment. I don't want to let it pass. I want to own it. Look in the grass. You see the opponent? He want to see you in chains. He want to see you in the flame. But you're going to be with the saints. You got to go through all the pain. You're living it now, but to die is a gain. I think about heaven a lot. And I'm going to do it for God. And I'm going to throw in the talent. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll start to get your calls queued up as I kind of um, wrap up what I have in Will the Great. <laughs> you throw in. As you as you do, as you feel it um, on, on your end. But we can get some calls queued up here. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons. Mm-hmm. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And let's give it to God, Tyson James. All right. So you've got David who um, sins egregiously against the Lord. And um, immediately when this illustration is used to point it out to him, he's like, this man should die. He, it's, it's, he immediately knows what this sort of wickedness deserves, right? Like the, Mm. the illustration is perfect and he understands it perfectly. Um, But then Nathan is like, you're, you're the man. And then, so here's what's going to happen. In Psalm 51, David cries out to have a a, a new heart, right? Like to, to be purified from this sin. This is the Psalm that he writes. and, And the Bible actually records this for us to the choir master, a Psalm of David. When Nathan, the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba, And this is what he writes. uh, Psalm 51, verse one, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. I want to say this. I think too often when we are on the battlefield of our thoughts where the enemy is attacking and we have these feelings of guilt and we just we're like we're so like we feel so condemned and beat down by this. I think one of the mistakes that we try to make is defending ourselves against those thoughts, like sort of like trying to make it as if it's not that bad. I think I think and, and we used to say this to our kids early on to the big three. When they would have those moments where they'd have questions about their salvation or even as they would communicate, sometimes they have these thoughts that they don't deserve God's um, salvation. Like that they, man, when they, the more they learn, the more they realize, like, just like they were, they are peons, right? And so they're like, man, we're not good people. And so, so we would say to them, listen, and guys, I'm not saying that you just need to throw this out to your kids or to your grandkids. I'm just telling you, okay, for the Addisons, we would say to them, well, you don't deserve his forgiveness. So so why would you contend against that? Like you don't deserve his forgiveness. Here's where your victory is. Your victory is in acknowledging the cross that Jesus Christ and what he did was totally sufficient for you. And no, you don't deserve it, but you have it because of Christ. Boom. That Where's the battle? Now you're on the ropes, but 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 what? where's the fight? Where's the fight? OK, let's acknowledge the truth. 
So here you have David in Psalm 51 actually acknowledging his iniquity, acknowledging his sin. And then if you read, if you go all the way through um, 51, um, David says something interesting in verse 16. He says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, heart, oh God, you will not despise. So the thing that's really interesting and that's really striking to me in that is that this sacrifice sort of represents man's own effort. It's his own ability to sort of appease God, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't desire sacrifice or I would bring that. My sacrifice is contrition. My sacrifice. So on my end, what am I doing? I'm bringing this heart that says I was wrong. Mm. Yeah. I was wrong. I deserve your judgment. Yeah. I deserve to be condemned, but Lord, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where pop cultural notions of forgiveness really kind of like depart from the biblical understanding of forgiveness. We really are just looking to kind of like feel better and then just say, oh, yeah, well, I did it. But really seeking forgiveness and really confessing our sin mm-hmm. is agreeing with God that what we've done is really wrong. You got to teach your kids that. You got to teach your kids that you really need to have a contrite heart when you come to the Lord. It's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I got in trouble. It's it's David saying against you only have I sinned. Too often what we don't recognize is that the reason it's sin against the person is because it's sin against God. Yeah. Like think about um, I think it's Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Mm-hmm. Right. He and, and she's after him. Right. And what does he say? He says, I can't do this. I can't do this thing, this sin against my God. So it would be a sin against Potiphar. It would, it would, it would be hurtful to Potiphar. But Joseph is actually looking at the highest hurt, which that it would, it would be rebellion against God. And I think that's what we miss in this pop cultural understanding of the way you forgive. I want to say one more thing, and then we'll go to the phone lines here. This is not always the case. This is not always the case, but I, I want this food for thought. Okay. Sometimes we struggle with accepting or receiving the forgiveness of God because in some ways we have, rather than trying to be like God, right, rather than um, pattering ourselves uh, after the Lord and following his lead, we have made God like us. Mm -hmm. So we think that God forgives like us. So we're not truly walking in forgiveness. We are given to holding back forgiveness and making people feel like they have to pay and jump through hoops and all of these things. And so then that way we're not able to get the mm. victory over the guilt because we ourselves don't know how to forgive. Yeah. We don't know how yeah. to employ the biblical model of yeah. forgiveness. Not always the case, but I do think that that's worth considering. I agree. All right. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Karen in Texas. Hi, Karen. Hi, guys. How are y'all today? Doing Hello. Hi, I just want to thank you so much for this topic. I just, I love it, and I, I will keep it brief and short. I just want to thank you, and um, from the beginning of your broadcast, I mean, so many of our churches have taught us to learn how to forgive ourselves, and that's something that I, I really have struggled with, And but I've never been taught to forgive him. So right. Let's get that straight <laughs> right off. Amen. Okay. So. Uh, I don't struggle, not so much with his deity, but my humanity, um, if that makes sense. And I, I just think it's the, it's, it's, it's just a fine line. I mean, not for me, it's not a fine line, but our churches are preaching grace, grace, grace. But there is that line. I think, Mickey, I've been trying to call in, so I, I think you might have just covered this. But 
there is that line between holiness and grace. And I don't think we're teaching the holiness in our churches that much anymore. Mm-hmm. And we have, he is holy and he is a graceful God. So I just love that. But, you know, I just have to, when I don't want to forget myself, I have to understand that it is the overwhelming grace of God that Mm. forgives me when I can't forgive myself. So anyway, that's all I want to say. I love you guys. God bless you, you, Karen. Karen. I really appreciate you sharing that. Let me, I want to say this too. And and I, I think I understand what Karen is saying because the point that she's making really comes down to, for the Christian, our responsibility of um, God has entrusted us with preserving the knowledge of who he is in the earth. Guys, it's a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. We should never take it lightly. But part of preserving the knowledge of who God is in the earth is preserving his attributes because God is all of who he is, right? So God's mercy is not in conflict with his justice. This is who God is, right? This is this is how God has revealed himself to us in scripture. And interestingly enough, Karen, I'll just tell you, this is on the top of my mind because I'm, I'm walking through um, with ladies at my church right now. We're on our second week of going through a holiness study where we're looking at the holiness of God. And so what I want to say, just even as you said that, is that the holiness of God really refers to the otherness of God is the set apartness of God. It's all of who God is that is other from us and anything else that we have known. So when we're talking about the holiness of God, we are talking about God righteously set apart, unlike anything else that we have ever known, which should command from us. It should command from us a respect, a walking in fear before God. I know that that's gone out of like popularity. People don't like to talk about having like a right fear of God. We just we want it to be like, no, it's more of a reverence. Okay, look, um, the one who can kill the body and also uh, condemn it to hell afterwards. Yeah, I fear him. Yeah, I fear him. I, I, I have a fear of God. And too often what we have done is we've removed some of the attributes of God that make us uncomfortable. So we don't talk about the justice of God, right? We don't talk about the wrath of God because we feel like that's too weighty for people and that, you know, people really just want to focus on love and good feelings. But look, the love doesn't mean anything unless you know the wrath, unless you know the judgment. And this is what the Lord lays out for us as he's given this account of dealing with his people. This is so that we would know who he is, Mm. right? And so, yes, Karen, to your point, we don't teach the holiness of God that we must revere, that we must fear the holiness of God. We don't teach that enough. And so then you have what we consider and what the Bible calls even the great falling away. All right. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Lynn in Arkansas. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Yeah. I just wanted to say um, my comment isn't about forgiveness, but it's about uh, philosophy in general. And that um, comment that, what she said um, at her church sounded new agey. And um, there's a lot of different ways that new age philosophy um, presents itself. But um, Mm -hmm. I was going through a health book recently, and um, you can really see it in this one comment. It says, everyone has different needs. No one's way is better or worse than another's. Live and let live, loving others for what they are without worrying about what they are not. Mm. But, okay, that's the end of that comment. But recently on a, on a Christian show, there was a guest on there that said she spent time looking at herself in the mirror. And she was talking about that being beneficial. And I thought, 
that is so new age. I mean, it's just about me, you know, and um, it's just I I don't think that the church teaches enough about new age thought and philosophies. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I I think a lot of people don't recognize it when they hear it. Oh, Lynn, and- I I agree with you one hundred and ten percent. Let me let me just say you really are touching on something that I think this is probably the most insidious means by which these kinds of teachings have kind of infiltrated the church. Um, it's It just is slightly different, but it doesn't sound like outright, unless you take a deeper look, it doesn't sound like it outrightly uh, contradicts the scripture. So can't you just add it to the scripture? Can't you just like kind of mix it all together in the blender and then just it's all good for you, isn't it? But no, it's not. Because when you take a closer look, you find that these things actually rival the authority of God's word. They are in conflict with God's word. Look, there's nowhere you're going to see in scripture that the Bible tells us um, to, to, you know, think on our appearance and think on our, no, what, what did the apostle Paul say to the Philippians? Whatever is good, whatever is true. If there's anything that's of a good report, you think on these things, right? But this sort of like these, these affirmations that we have, these mantras, these, you know, I don't know, you didn't go so far as to say the person looks in the mirror and then says things, but there are other places where you've got people who, you know, they believe that in, chanting things to themselves and all of this stuff guys you're you're not going to find that in scripture and 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 additionally what does it do it puts the weight of your transformation on you Hmm. the the weight of your transformation comes to rest on you doing these things the weight of your transformation is on the finished work of the lord jesus christ The, the complete and sufficient finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think you're spot on Lynn, that we, we really do need to have a return to sound teaching in the church. And when we see these things um, in culture, we need to speak out against them as believers uh, defending the holiness of God. We need to speak out against these things. Will the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Richard in Kentucky. All right, Richard. Well, you got Richard's wife here because he had to go. <laughs> okay. He, to go. he teaches a, a Bible study at a recovery center, and he asked me to share what he had called in about. So okay. sure. got Cindy, Cindy in Kentucky, of All Richard right. and Cindy. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, Cindy. As, as we were listening to you guys, uh, we really enjoy it. We do a show also on a Sunday evening that's a Bible study that has a little of the music in there, just like you guys. But something to him as we were listening, is that Uriah was part of the inner circle when Saul was tracking your boy down. Mm. I mean, Uriah was one of his, like, brothers, Mm. very close. So that made what he did even more Mm. offensive. Mm. Wow. You know, and that that was something that my husband wanted to point out. That's what he called because he goes, you know, in studying the history that we've learned, getting older and learning to actual study and Mm -hmm. research, you know, Uriah was one of his boys, man. And mm. come on, mm. and and that was that was aside from all the the righteousness of him not wanting to go with his wife when he came in and and all that, but even to have been there before for him. Yes. Uh, wow. Oh, Cindy. Wow. And he loves you guys. He listens to you all the time. He turned me on to y'all, and y'all are great. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. you. Thank you so much for pointing that out. You know, and just to circle back to 
the, the point of all of the information is that what the Lord forgives, the Lord yes. forgave David. If you read in another Psalm in Psalm 32, yes. David talked about when he confessed his sin to the Lord, that the Lord not only forgave his sin, read Psalm 32, mm-hmm. but the Bible says that he forgave the guilt yes. of his sin, the guilt of his sin. So we don't need to look to ourselves to, you know, forgive ourselves. And we don't need to try to like get ourselves over this guilt. We need to come to the Lord and receive the mercy that's available until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.